Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4 this morning. We'll be back in Nehemiah chapter 4. And looking at the thought of uh, when we are hindered, when we are hindered, and uh, we're going to look at the enemies, and uh, as they were, uh, we looked at last week, they were angry because the wall was being built, and then uh, we'll look at them. We're going to look at basically three different kinds of people that we see in chapter 4, the enemy, the discouraged, and the faithful. And we'll look at those three thoughts this morning. Let's read Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 7 and verse number 8. The Bible says, But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites um, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. We'll look at that thought this morning, when we are hindered. Lord, I pray for your help as we look into these uh, verses today, into your word today, Lord. We pray that we would learn from it, that we'd grow from it, we'd be encouraged by it, and we'd be challenged by it. Lord, I pray as we look at the enemy that we are against, Lord, that we look at the times that we are discouraged, and Lord, to be encouraged that we would be faithful. I pray that through the example of Nehemiah, Lord, we would truly be encouraged to be more faithful moving forward. God, I thank you for each person that is here today, and I pray that you'd speak to each of us in the way that you'd see fit. Lord, help me to prepare, uh, present this clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt times within your Christian life that you are hindered? Something or someone is hindering you from doing what you feel like God wants you to do. Uh, this happens many times uh, in life, and I know that personally in ministry, oftentimes when you're at your highest, when things are going the best, when uh, good things are happening, oftentimes something negative comes along. Um, I remember, as, uh, and I'm thankful it doesn't happen here, uh, at least very often, but in Indiana, many times when I pastored there, Right before the service started, I mean like a minute before the service started, someone would grab me, hey, can I speak to you in your office? That's never good. Uh, number one, I like to start on time. Number two, uh, uh, what am I going to be able to do within 60 seconds to, to help out the situation? And so typically it was something that wasn't super important, uh, and it was just something to kind of take my mind off of what I was trying to focus on at that time. Uh, there are other times where Satan just attacks, where he comes in and comes after something um, right before I preach. And, and uh, when we have a special, it's right before I preach. And Indiana was the same way. And uh, in my early days as pastor, there weren't a whole lot of standards or guidelines within the church that we had that we'd become pastor of. And so a song would get sung that wasn't Christian in any way, shape, or form. Wasn't really sure why it was being sung in church. And it was right before I was supposed to preach. And I would have to kind of shake that off and get my mind focused and, and, and back onto what God wanted me to focus on instead of that. And uh, there are other times where just the special is really bad. Uh, <laughs> the singing's not very good. And you've got to shake that off too. And you praise the Lord for people being willing to serve and to help out where they can. But in life as well, we come across different areas where maybe we see an answer to prayer and we're just excited about what God is doing, but then you get something in the mail, a bill that you didn't expect, or something physical happens, or whatever it is, and you just all of a sudden you're hindered. 
something is there to hinder you. And that was the case here in Nehemiah. Nehemiah had come to Jerusalem. He had the king's blessing. He had the king's uh, helping him with provisions. And in chapter 3, we read of all these people coming together and working and building and fixing and mending all these different areas in Jerusalem. And we talked about it last week. Now they come and they're, they're fixing the wall. Things, progress is being made. Many things are going well at the moment here in Jerusalem. Well, now Sanballat and Tobias, they come and, and, and they are, Tobiah, excuse me, and they come and they are angry because the wall is being built. And we talked about that a lot last week. If you missed it, you can go back and listen another time. But now not only Sanballat and Tobiah, but the Arabians, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites as well were upset that the wall was being built, that the breaches were being mended. So here we see, number one, the enemy and, and kind of their viewpoint of it. They were united in their anger. In verse number eight, it shows us that the neighboring countries, the neighboring people were not too excited about this. Why? And we talked about this last week, but because the wall is now being built not only provides a division between them and everyone else, it also provides protection. They are becoming back to a nation. They are becoming back to a people who can stand on their own. They don't have to depend on the neighbors anymore because they have their own city that is now up and running and beginning to run as normal. But I ask this question, what did the Jews do to Sanballat, Tobiah, and these neighbors? If you look at this situation, you're reading through it, they had done nothing to these people. They had lived peaceably. They had worked on their own things. They minded their own business. And these enemies seemed to be angry because the Jews were working together. They were pro uh, prospering. They were accomplishing things. And so from the outside looking in, they say, hey, wait a second. You're supposed to need us. You're supposed to depend on us. You're supposed to trade with us. You're supposed to uh, uh, whatever all these things. And they were upset, not because of something the Jews had done to them, but just because what the Jews were doing was working. Have you ever met someone like that? They didn't like other people succeeding. Uh, they see someone doing something, and it's not they haven't done anything to them. They haven't been mean to them. They haven't been rude to them. But, uh, but just their success made someone else angry. How dare they succeed? How dare they prosper? How dare they accomplish things? And they get upset about those sorts of things. This enemy, by the way, was very vicious. Look in verse 11. It said, And our adversaries, that's Sinbalat, Tobiah, and these other neighbors, our, our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. The thought was, well, if we murder them, they'll stop working. That typically works. Um, if they're not alive, they're not going to be able to work. Maybe if we kill off a few, then the other ones will stop because they'll be afraid and they'll be scared. And they'll finally stop all this nonsense of, of building up this wall and building Jerusalem back up to where they should be. You know, we have to understand that as a Christian, we're going to have enemies united against us. Now, oftentimes, it's just because we're out working. It's just because we're out laboring. It's just, it's, again, Christians have, have offended many people, but oftentimes, the Christian who is being faithful to God will have enemies upset at them just because of their faithfulness. 
We're always going to have an enemy who is going to try to unite people against us. In 1 Peter 5.8, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You see, Satan isn't in the game to just bruise you. He's in the game to devour you. Satan isn't okay with just you failing once. He wants to see your life ruined. More so, he wants to see your testimony ruined. He wants to make you ineffective for Christ. He wants to do things in your life. Uh, He wants to bring in temptations. He wants to get you to fall in certain areas so that no one will listen to you when you come to them with the Bible. That's his goal, to devour you. And Sanballat and Tobiah and these others had a goal to devour these Jews. We want to end them. We want to make sure they can no longer work. We want to make sure that those who can work no longer want to work. If you've been around long enough, you will see people within ministry, whether it be preachers, um, whether it be missionaries. um, You'll see other Christians, even not in ministry, just Christians in their daily life. You'll see how Satan attacks them and beats them down and wears them out. And it sometimes will scare you off. Say, well, wait a second, if I'm going to face that kind of attack, I I don't want to be involved in that. I've seen I've seen people lose their children. And they said, you know what? It's just an they attributed much of it just to Satan attacking. When we became a pastor for the first time, we were joking to some degree with someone in our church about our children and how much. Uh, more evil they had become since we became pastor. Before we were pastor, they were so sweet and innocent and kind, and now they're so devilish. And, uh, and we were just joking about it. They weren't devilish. They are now, but they weren't then. And, uh, and the, man, the man said to us, he said, well, you're a pastor now. Well, Satan's going to work harder on your children than he did before. And honestly, it made me sit up and think, well, that's not good. And there are times where we see Satan's attacks and we go, you know what, I don't want any part of that. And if we're not in the battle, we're in the battle whether or not we like it, but if we're not active in the battle, Satan is going to find the weakness and he's going to attack. He's going to come after us and he's going to keep coming after us because he's as a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. The greatest of Christians, and I use the word greatest as humbly as I can, the the most faithful of Christians, they are under the most attack. Satan has no reason to attack a Christian who doesn't go to church, a Christian who doesn't read their Bible, a Christian who doesn't pray to God. They're ruining it for themselves, their testimony, and any chance of having an effect for Christ. Satan is going after those who are being faithful. And again, we, sometimes we have this picture in our mind, well, if I'm serving Jesus, then everything's going to be great and dandy. And that's just not the way it is. It's not reality. Look at Jesus himself. When he was on this earth, he was doing miracles, great miracles. And you would think, boy, if I saw Christ touch a blind man's eyes and now he can see, if I saw a man who had never walked in his life and Christ says, rise, take up your bed and walk, and he jumped up and started running, you would think that, boy, I would, I would believe with all my heart that it was true. Yet as Christ did miracles on this earth, people stood in the corner and said, there's no way he could be of God because he did that on the Sabbath. 
What? <laughs> There's no way he could be of God because he did it the wrong way or at the wrong time or because he didn't include me. You see, Jesus Christ, all in his life on this earth, was under constant criticism and constant attack from Satan and from people on this earth. Christ, in his trial, if you remember, Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. He's done nothing wrong. Yet still he gave in to the mob yelling, crucify him. Now listen, Christ was going to die on the cross because that's what he came to do. But to understand or to think that the Christian life serving God faithfully, obediently, doing what God says, that you think it's just going to be all sunshine and, and daisies, it's not. And I don't mean to discourage you from being faithful and obeying God today, but you need to understand that you're under attack constantly. Just as Jesus was when He was on this earth. Jesus is the ultimate example for Christians. And understand that Jesus was tempted as we are tempted. Jesus was criticized, more so, but as we are criticized. Jesus was under attack as we are under attack. At the end of the day, we have to make the decision, knowing that there's an enemy. Are we still going to be faithful? Now God tells us, if you'll be obedient, I will reward you. If you'll be faithful, I promise you it is worth it. But you are going to be attacked. There is an enemy that is against us, and they are going to work hard to defeat us, just as they did here in Nehemiah's case as they're building the wall. Number one, the enemy. Number two, the discouraged. Look in verse number 10. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. Because there is an enemy, and because the enemy is going to attack and going to be ruthless as they attack, there are going to be some who are going to fall discouraged. There are going to be some who are going to look around the situation and go, this is just a little too much. When adversity hits, discouragement comes. So much work had been done, but yet still there was so much work to do. And in this case, we see Judah here is the one that, we're, that is named but he looks around and he says, in a way, is this ever going to end? There's just so much that has to be done. And even though in chapter 3 we see so many things being built and fixed and mended, now the wall is being built and all these things, Judah goes, it's just a little too much. He may have looked around and said, you know, not only are we still have all this work to do and all these other things happening, but there's people trying to kill us. You see him here discouraged to the point where he says, we're not able to build the wall. Sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get worn out. Sometimes we get scared. And we just say, I don't think I can do this anymore. I was talking with the youth group this morning about rest. God, God does teach us the importance of rest. There is a time to take a break. I think it's good for everybody to take a vacation every now and then. Um, you know, I, it's funny, we, we talk about vacations. I know pastors that take four vacations a year. I think, man, that would be nice. Um, uh, one every four years would be good. But uh, uh, nonetheless, 
uh, different, different things for different people. But we need rest no matter what. You know, we come out sometimes on Saturdays and work at the church and do different things, but there are some Saturdays that we just need to stay home and sit on the couch. We just schedule it so it works out during football season. But anyways, um, <laughs> there are times we get discouraged because we're scared. There's times we get discouraged because we're tired. There's times we get discouraged because we're worn out. When it comes to living a life for Christ, it never ends until your life on earth is over. There's always work to be done. You can always say there's more to do. And sometimes that just that scares us. I've heard the term burnout used many times within ministry, and I believe it's true. I believe there are men... And women who just work, 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 and they never get encouraged, and they are constantly being criticized, and they just say, you know what? I'm done. I'm burnt out. That's why it's important that we come together as a church and serve together and fill, fill the voids and, and uh, use our strengths that God has given us and the gifts that God has given us to help in the areas where everybody else is weaker. That's why the pastor can't do it all on his own. Because if you put it all on one person, that person eventually is going to crumble. They just, can't, they just can't do it. It's not the way God intended it. When God ordained the church, it wasn't just one person do everything. It was us together, working, serving, doing our part to accomplish the commission that God had given us. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. When we're doing what God has told us to do, don't be discouraged by it. Understand that if we press on, that if we keep working, that if we do and stay faithful to what God has called us to do, that we will reap the benefit and the reward that comes with it. One of my favorite passages in scriptures, Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching for his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You see, although we get weary, and although we get tired, and although we get worn out, God does not. And God says, if you want power, if you want strength, if you want help, I'm here and I will provide it for you. Be obedient, do as I say, and I'll give you what you need. If we'll just wait on God, depend on God, trust on God, lean on God, He then will renew our strength and He will help us to not faint. It's easy to be discouraged. I mean, my goodness, everyday life, <laughs> doesn't take much, does it? I know my wife experiences this, and I'm sure um, in most houses you do. It seems like you cook and you clean, and you sit down and you turn around, and everything that you just cleaned is dirty again. You work and you work, and it just seems like it doesn't matter. It's never ending. It never stops. You go to work every day, Monday through Friday, or whatever days you work, whatever hours you work, you show up, you do your job, and, and, and you just know you've got to come back and do it again the next day. 
Your co-workers are still the same co-workers. Just as mean or just as nice. If you're dealing with customers, the customers are still complaining about this or complaining about that. You did everything right, but they're going to tell your boss about the one thing that you may have could have done better. You know, you're going to go through all these different things in life. You, if, you're, if you drive, you're going to be discouraged. Someone's going to cut you off. Someone's going to go too slow. Someone's going to go too fast. If you're in the store, uh, something's going to be out of stock. Something's going to be too expensive. Whatever it is, we're going to go through all kinds of different areas in life that we can be discouraged. And then you add on top of that as a Christian that there's an enemy that is constantly attacking you. It can be discouraging. And that brings us to number three, the faithful. Number one, the enemy, and they're going to be attacking. Number two, the discouraged because of what you see. Number three, the faithful. Nehemiah is a great example for us. Look in verse number nine. He says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. We talked about this in previous messages in Nehemiah, but the faithful are always going to pray. No matter what comes across in your life, no matter what is happening, no matter how down and low and discouraged you are, no matter how beat up you are, no matter how scared you are, you pray. In verse number 8, they're saying they're coming, they're, gonna, they're going to try to slay them, they're going to try to kill them, they're there to hinder them. And Nehemiah said, so what we did is we made our prayer unto the Lord. We went right back to God. God, you sent us here. Remember that in Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah chapter 2? It was God's decision, it was God's leading that brought Nehemiah to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem. So he says, God, we've got these people against us. They're kind of mean, a little ugly, they don't smell great. But they're after us. They want to kill us. God, we need help. If you're going to be the faithful and not the discouraged, you're going to have to pray also, verse 14, it says, And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. Fight for your brethren and your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. Not only do the faithful pray, the faithful also claim God. In verse 14, Nehemiah in a speech, and Nehemiah gives a few rousing speeches throughout the book of Nehemiah, but in his speech to the people, he says, Remember God. If He be for us, who can be against us? We're here doing what God has told us to do. Remember God. Don't focus on the people. You remember and, and the, the children of Israel coming into the promised land, they sent out the spies, Joshua and Caleb... Uh, there, as everybody else was saying, the armies are too big and the, the, the cities are too defensed and it's going to be a hard battle and we can't win because the, uh, we just don't have the fighting ability to win. Joshua and Caleb said, remember God. This is the land God gave us. We ought to go right now and take the land. You know what? The people didn't listen to Joshua and Caleb. They didn't remember God. They remembered themselves. They remembered that they were too weak they were too small. They were too unprepared. So they didn't claim God's promise. And oftentimes in the Christian life, we're similar in that. Instead of being faithful, we find ourselves discouraged. Instead of remembering God, remember ourselves, remember our failures. I've met so many people in my life who say, Preacher, I can't, I can't come to church. You don't understand my past. 
Well, preacher, even if I did this or did that, you don't understand, you don't know how, what I've done. They remember themselves instead of remembering God. Listen, there are consequences for our past. Our, our sins do not go unnoticed or unpunished. But when it comes to following God and being faithful, we have to remember who God is. Look back again in verse number 9. After he says, we made our prayer unto God, he said, and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Listen, Nehemiah was wise to do this. He set a watch. The faithful pray, the faithful claim God, the faithful set a watch. In Matthew 26, verse 41, it says, Watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. As Christians, in order for us to be faithful, we have to set a watch. We have to guard against the sin that is going to come after us, the enemy that's going to come after us. One way, and we've mentioned this almost every sermon in Nehemiah, is putting on the whole armor of God. Being prepared. Setting a watch to guard, to, to keep an eye out, to sound the alarm when something that is going to get us is coming. In the Christian life, if we don't set up a watch, a boundaries, things that will help us so that when sin tries to get in, we have a way to stop it, accountability. Those sorts of things, if we don't have that guard set up, we will not stay faithful. We will end up being discouraged. Look in verse 15, the first part of the verse. It says, And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught. The faithful will be encouraged. Here they understood that God had revealed the secrets. This enemy was going to be sneaky and sly, and they were going to sneak in. And they said it in verse number 9, I think it was, or verse, I don't remember where, one of the verses that we've already read, verse 11, no, I don't know. One of the verses we already read. They were going to come in that they weren't even going to know we were there until we were in their midst. So they had a plan set up. They were going to be sneaky. They were going to, to slide in and attack. And God made it known to Nehemiah what the plan was, what was going to happen. And so when the, when the enemy found out, they already knew what was happening. There was going to be problems. They had to, to hold off on the plan. You see, in order to stay, uh, keep from being discouraged, we have to be encouraged. We have to look at what God has done. Thank God for what He's done, for the provision, for the guidance, for the wisdom, whatever it is. There are, there are things, I promise you, no matter where you're at in life, you can look at things and find things that God has done for you. In order to stay faithful, we have to be encouraged. In order to remain, uh, uh, in order to not be discouraged, we have to be encouraged. And here Nehemiah was so good at looking and seeing and seeing the people and reminding them of who God was and saying, here's the situation. God protected us. God let us know what their plan was. God provided for us this. That's something that should encourage us. And so what did that lead to at the end of verse 15? It says, And God had brought their counsel to not that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. If we're going to be faithful, we have to get back to work. I said it earlier that, that the work never ends. Until we leave this earth, the work that we have for God is not over. 
It is constant. It is ongoing. The mission that God has given us to preach the Gospel to every creature in the world, it hasn't happened yet. And it's not going to happen unless we are faithful and staying active and working and working and working. We have to get back to work. The discouraged give up. They stop. They leave things unfinished, unaccomplished. The faithful, even though they get attacked, once God protects them, they get back to work. You see, we can either be discouraged or we can be faithful. Because we're going to be hindered, and when we are hindered, what are we going to do? We had plans for this year, um, summertime especially, plans of events and different things we were going to do, and, and the new things and returning things and different things, and guess what? We got hindered. <laughs> for 16, 18 weeks, I don't remember how long it was, especially hindered. You know what? It's, and, and I say that we're not being hindered by people, okay? We're not angry at the government for the stipulations they put in and things like that. The reality is, is Satan is fighting. We've had to change things. We've had to do things differently. We had to be, think about things that we hadn't had to think about before, even today. God provided this place for us just over a month ago now. And we want to see more people come in and we want to see the side, the side rows being used and, and all that sorts of thing. Right now we're, we're a little hindered, but that doesn't mean that we can't work. That doesn't mean that we can't put in the effort. That doesn't mean that we can't stay faithful. What would have happened if in March all the churches just said, well, guess that's it. Let's just shut her down until everything's back to normal. My goodness, we don't even know when back to normal is going to happen. We had to be wise and we had to be prayerful and we had to follow God's guidance on what to do, but we had to stay faithful. Stay active. Stay working. You see, the faithful pray. The faithful claim God. The faithful set a watch. The faithful are encouraged. And the faithful get back to work. Nehemiah and the Jews here in Jerusalem were under attack. They had an enemy. The Jews had done nothing to this enemy. The Jews had done nothing to, to deserve or warrant the anger that was faced towards them, yet it was still there. The enemy was vicious and cruel. We face an enemy that is vicious and more cruel than Sanballat and Tobiah. So we must be sober and vigilant. Some got discouraged. It happens a lot in the Christian life. Because we're constantly being hindered. We get tired and worn out and scared. But don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. Then we have an example of faithfulness. That's where we need to be. 
Whether or not we, we are there is another question, but it's where we need to be, the faithful. Pray. Claim God. Set a watch. Be encouraged. And just get to work. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and any other cliche you can think of. Just get to work. Stay faithful. Lord, we need your help because we are hindered. Lord, we need your help because we do have an enemy that is very strong, that is very powerful, that is very vicious. Lord, I pray that today we would not be discouraged, but that we would be encouraged. Lord, I pray that today we would be Christians who do not categorized as discouraged, but we are categorized as faithful. That God, you could look at us, and if our time on this earth was done, you'd be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God, we have a great example throughout Scripture of different people. Nehemiah in this passage, Jesus Himself in His life, and many others of faithful people. God, I pray that You would help us that when we are hindered, that we would stay faithful. And God, I pray if there's areas in our lives today where we are tired, worn out, and scared, that are, we are on that verge of being discouraged, God, I pray that today we would be encouraged by who You are and what You're capable of, and that, Lord, we would come back and just be faithful to You. Help us, Lord. We need it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, before the piano plays, that's fine. That's fine. You go ahead and play. I want to ask a question before we stand. Is there anybody that today, you don't have to get specific, obviously, with me, but you would say today, Pastor, I have to admit I'm a little discouraged. I've been a little discouraged, and I would appreciate it. Don't embarrass me, but if you wouldn't mind praying for me, I'd sure appreciate it. Anybody like that today? Pastor, I'm just a little discouraged. I have been. Would you pray for me? You can just slip your hand up and slip it down. Question number two this morning. Thank you. I see it. Pray for you. Question number two this morning is, are you faithful? Have you been faithful? I know we could all say, well, I could be more faithful. I could do a little more. But this morning, I would encourage you, if you you know, and there's an area that God's spoken to you about today, maybe I'm faithful in many things, but I haven't prayed like I should, or I haven't claimed God like I should, or I haven't set that watch, that accountability like I should. I haven't been encouraged enough by what God has done, or I haven't been getting to work for God like I should. This morning, I hope that you'll take a moment and pray to God and ask Him to help you with that. Would you stand with me, please? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you'd like to come to the front and kneel and pray, you're welcome to. If you'd like to stay at your seat, that's fine also. But in a moment, I'll be quiet as the piano plays. Would you just take a moment to go to God in prayer and ask Him for the help in the areas that He's spoken to you about today?